How y'all doing today? Are you awake? Okay, because you're going to need it today. You are going to need it today. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, leading teaching pastor here. I want to welcome you, whether you're in the room with us or you are joining us online. And we are at the end of our series on Beyond the Basics, which has been a lot of theology, a lot of learning. And so congratulations to you that you have made it through these four weeks. Yay! <laughs> now, I'm only half joking, right? Um, this is a lot. And we have looked at, over these weeks, some pretty big concepts in our faith. We've talked about the Trinity, and we've talked about the Bible. We've looked at prayer. And today we're going to talk about salvation, uh, what it means to be saved, And over all of these weeks, we have really looked at taking the basics and then also taking our faith to the next level. I mean, some of us are just at the start of our faith journey, and so we need those basics. And some of us have been around our whole lives, and so we're ready for what is that deeper understanding. So we're doing that together today. So today we're talking about salvation or what it means to be saved, and I know that When we talk about salvation, it's a a little bit of a loaded term for us. Um, Depending on your age, depending on your uh, experience, you may have been asked, are you saved? I remember when I was in seventh grade at the Orange Julius. (laughs) Remember the Orange Julius? Being asked by someone, are you saved? And I was very kind of confused by that question because I'd grown up in church. I loved God. I worshiped every week, but I'd never heard it put that way. Um, It's less common today for people to ask that, but I think it's still a little confusing. And I say that because in some traditions, salvation is about uh, praying a prayer, sometimes called the sinner's prayer, and then accepting Jesus into our lives. For us as United Methodists, and for actually a lot of mainline churches, we certainly support people who want to pray the prayer and make that decision. That's an important part of salvation. But we understand salvation more holistically, meaning we understand that salvation is something bigger than a one-time commitment And it's actually a journey for our whole lives. So let's start with today's text from Philippians. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. Now, I love this text because it reminds us that salvation is not a one-and-done thing. That salvation is something we work on. Salvation is something we live into. Salvation is not only a gift that we all receive, but salvation calls from us a response, and not just a one-time response, 
really a response that's an everyday response. It's kind of like this. Imagine you are six years old, and you are given a new bicycle. And you look at that bike, and you're excited. You think of all the places you're going to go, all the things you're going to do. But the thing is, you're just learning to ride it. And so many times you get on your bike and you fall. You fall hard. But over the years, you start learning how to do it. You start learning what it means to ride your bicycle. And so if Paul, the author of our text today, were to write about you and your bicycle, he might say, work out your bike riding with fear and trembling. Meaning, it's a journey. It's a process. It takes focus. It takes work. Salvation is, of course, very different than riding a bike. And you may hear the words in our text, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and find that phrase a little off-putting or confusing or maybe a little scary. I mean, fear and trembling? So let's hear a different translation. This is the message paraphrase, and I've underlined kind of their way of saying fear and trembling. So it says this. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself, willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. So what this text is saying to us, in whatever translation we hear it, is that this is a process. And as we live into our salvation, we're going to live into it seriously, sensitively, reverently. We're going to Keep working on it. A text from 1 Peter confirms this where it says, Rid yourself, therefore, of all malice and guile, insincerity and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So again, this idea of growing into salvation, that it's a process, it's a journey. So this is the first thing I want you to hear this morning, that salvation is something we work on, we live through, we integrate into our lives our whole life long. That's the first thing I want you to hear today as we talk about salvation. The second thing I want you to hear today is actually how we might define salvation. So here's a couple definitions. Salvation is deliverance from consequences of our brokenness and sin. Or salvation is rescue by God from the consequences of our actions. Now, those two words that are underlined, I think understanding those words helps us understand salvation a little better. So let me unpack both of them. First, sin. 
Um, Sin is one of those words that also can be confusing, but St. Augustine described it this way, and I think this is very simple and clear. Sin is a word, a deed, or a desire in opposition to the law of God. So sin is what puts us at odds with God's law. And what is God's law? God's law is the law of love. So when we as people are selfish or greedy or violent, when we lie or steal or manipulate, we are outside of the law of love. And that is sin in our lives. Now, we all sin. Scripture says we all fall short. And so it is part and parcel of our lives. We have to understand sin to understand salvation. Second thing I want to lift up from those definitions is that the idea of rescue. Rescue, I think, is a really foundational concept as we talk about salvation. And that's because we know, we see in our history as people that we have committed so many injustices against one another. We see daily how humankind has made choices against God's law of love. And because of that, salvation has to be about rescuing us from the state we find ourselves in. God offers to us in his salvation a new way of being. Some people call it being a new creation. That's one of the words the scripture uses. Scripture also says we are, it is about a new way of being human. So this gift of salvation is something that is given to us all. It is rescue from where we find ourselves and in the brokenness of our sin. And all of this is given to us through the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, last year, we spent six weeks talking about Jesus and the cross and its meaning. And if you missed that, I invite you to check it out because I think we did some helpful work. Um, Sometimes the cross can be confusing for us. What does it mean? So if you want to know more about that piece, you can go to our website. You can go under the resources tab, and there's a page that says Understanding the Cross, and there are resources there for that. Okay, so, so far, two big basics, salvation's this process, and what salvation is. Now we're going to talk about these three things. When does salvation begin? How do we receive the gift of salvation? And what would the life of someone who embraces salvation look like? And then we're going to end with me teaching you a tool that can help you as you work through your own salvation. So let's start with what does salvation, when does salvation begin? You know, I think for a lot of people they would say, well, salvation, it's about going to heaven. So salvation begins when you die. Well, That's a good place to start, but actually, the word that we translate from Hebrew into the English words to save means to be roomy and to be broad, to be open. So this openness and expansiveness that's given to us in salvation 
is found on this side of eternity, too. Salvation isn't only focused about life after death. It's about life before death. It's about living in God's way now. So, being saved means when you accept Christ into your life, you begin this journey of living as a saved person, of making the choices of someone who is trying to incorporate what God has done in your own life. And because of what God has done, we're changed. And we're not just changed once. I mean, I need to be changed every day. How about you? Right? We're changed over and over again as we grow more into the image of Jesus. So in Jesus... We see what it means to be this new human, what the new humanity looks like, what the fullness of salvation looks like. And in Jesus, we see someone who calls us to love God with all our heart, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to forgive those who've wronged us, to love our enemies and to not judge and to live a life of service and humility, and to care for the least, to care for those who are lost. So salvation isn't only about the afterlife and going to heaven. Salvation isn't just about life after death. It's about the quality of our lives here and now. And salvation is available to us as soon as we receive the gift. So how do we receive the gift? Well, the scripture says in Romans 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So as Christians, we believe that this gift is given to everyone because of what Jesus has done and that it then invites us to respond. It's a gift. It's never given um, because we've earned it. It's given to just all of us. There's other scriptures that talk about salvation. In Acts, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Or in Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Or Ephesians, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Also, I think it's helpful to know that salvation isn't just about individuals. It's about the world. It's about um, the cosmicness of the whole world that God offers all salvation. There's a text in Colossians that puts it this way. It says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God gives us this gift and invites us to receive it. So have you? Have you received this gift of salvation that God has for all of us? At the end of our uh, time, you'll have an opportunity. She came in, you got a little card, 
to either reaffirm your faith or maybe to affirm your faith for the first time. We thought it might be a nice way to end the series as we've talked about all of these important things together. So, last piece of this part. Um, What might it look like when someone lives out of a life of salvation? What would the life of someone who embraces salvation look like? So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking probably the best way for me to describe this is to share with you the experience of somebody I know who is living out her salvation. She and I had a conversation not too long ago, and she was sharing with me all the things she was up to. She said that she was uh, going back to school. She was doing some different things at her job. She was looking at some different things in where she lived, and she's giving me this list of all these great things going on, and I just started feeling kind of stressed out, (laughs) right? But this is what she said to me. She said, my faith gives me such a stable foundation that I can try all kinds of things because if I fail, God's got me. And I thought, wow. And I thought about that. I thought about what she said to me the rest of that week. And I realized that because she had salvation, she had assurance. She had assurance. And that assurance made it so she didn't have to prove anything to anybody, which interestingly (laughs) then enabled her to try all kinds of things because she knew that if she faltered, if she failed, that God had her, that what Jesus had done for her still was there. Made me think how practical salvation is because it gives you and I an assurance here and now that if we are called to do things and go places. We don't need to worry about what other people think about it. We need to listen and follow. That it gives us a a wide open life. That it gives us more confidence in our daily living. So as you think about that for your own life, I want you to just think for a moment, how are you doing with living into that? Are there there some places where you're kind of anxious of failing and Wondering what people would think of you, or are you worried that uh, things might not go according to what you were hoping? What if instead you were able to draw on this idea that God's got you no matter what? God's got you no matter what. And that the gift of salvation is about living bigger lives here and now. Lives that are truly free. Lives that live in possibilities. Lives that know, no matter how it goes, God's got us. You may wonder, as we talk about all this, how might we live into our salvation? How might we work it out, whether you're working it out with fear and trembling or not? Let me teach you a shape and a tool. This is a way for you just to remember it. We use the shape. And this is called the the learning circle. And this is a shape that I have used over the years to help me reflect on my life. Because I think we grow more into the image and likeness of Jesus when we take the time regularly 
to reflect on our life and our choices. So here's how this works. This shape would help us reflect on our lives, and you would start by thinking of a moment in your life where maybe what you did did not line up with how you wished you'd been. So I'm going to use this idea that I was short with a family member, for example. Have any of you ever done that? Been short with a family member? Okay, so it sounds like, you know, nobody's had this experience, but we'll try this one. Okay. So the first thing I would do is the moment. The second thing I would do is observe the event. So let's say in this case I'm short with a family member because they are always late. So I remember this situation. I'd observe what had happened. I'd remember it and remember that I had said, why are you always late? Why do you always keep me waiting? Okay? And then the third thing I'd do is I'd reflect on it which is like observe, but it's taking a couple steps back, putting it in a context, thinking, do I do this a lot? Am I often short with this person? Or what's going on with me that I behaved like this? So I'm giving what I experienced a little bit of context. And then next, what I'm doing is discussing it. And what that means is I'm talking to someone about the situation. And there's a couple reasons for this. First is it gives us perspective, gives us a way to reflect a little better. And I think also we're, we're called to work out our salvation together. That's why small groups matter. That's why being in communities of faith matter. And so as we discuss it, we get a better perspective on the situation. And then next we pray about it. So up until this point, this could be kind of some self-help here, right? We have the situation, we observe, reflect, and discuss. But here's where it turns to a spiritual practice. Because we ask God what we should do in response to what we have done. And then we listen. What's that next step God would have us do? What is God's direction? And then we would make a plan. Let's say we heard God tell us that we should call and apologize. So how will I act on what I've heard? And then the last step is we act on the plan we've set. And sometimes we need to be accountable. So maybe to the person we discussed it with, we said, you know, after this situation, I'm going to call my family member and tell them, Um, that I'm sorry, but I really hate admitting I was wrong, so ask me next week and make sure I did it, right? So this is called the learning circle, and it's very simple and straightforward kind of a thing to do, but it helps us. It gives us a structure to look at where we are in our lives with the different events that we have going on and to see what's out of alignment, with this law of love. I will um, be doing a little more about this. I'll put some things on social media about it on the sermon notes this week. Um, There's the whole process to walk through this if you would like to try it out. And I do recommend it. This is something I've been doing for 12 years. I had to like look through my notes and figure when I started doing this. And I will say this is one of the best things I've done in my spiritual life because... 
I tend to be someone who, when things happen and I'm uncomfortable with it, I just pretend it didn't happen, right? Here, I'm actually looking at the situation more closely. And the other tendency I have is when I do things I'm not so happy about, I might make a plan to fix it, but I've never brought it to God first and listened to what God says. So I've been doing this for 12 years, and it's just a simple way. Every week, I just pick something from my life, and I write it out and pray about it and see what God has for me there. Okay. So this has been a lot. I understand. Not just today, but for these four weeks as we've talked about these important things. And my prayer has been that during these last four weeks, you've heard something that's deepened your understanding of God, the Trinity, and the Bible, and prayer, and salvation. You've heard something that's helped it make a little more sense to you. But not just that you've heard ideas that have been helpful, but that you've heard how you might live this out how you might practice this more in your life. Because we are called to take our faith and to take our faith beyond life's basics. So I invite you to take the little card you got on the way in, which is just a way of closing this series to say you are either committing to uh, Jesus for the first time or you're just reaffirming your commitment. And what I will do is um, we'll have a moment of silent prayer and then I'll pray for us. And then the ushers will have offering plates today, and you're just welcome to put the card in there. So let's take a moment for some silent prayer. Mm -hmm.